You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Guys, welcome. And uh, welcome to our visitors. Great to have you with us this morning. Thanks for coming. Um, my name's Nate, and uh, I'm the campus pastor here, uh, along with my wife, and uh, we have the incredible privilege underneath our senior pastors, who are Pastor Keith and Janet, they're ministering at our other campus this morning, but we have the incredible privilege of leading this community, this family, and um, believe we're leading it into a, a new season, a season of growth and a season of influence in our city, and um, it's exciting. It's exciting to know that God has spoken over this community uh, and, and over Northwest and all aspects of our church, but, but because I, I, I'm campus pastor here, I get to say over this community uh, and believe it for this place, but that we're going to see a season of growth. We're going to see a season of maturity. We're going to see a season of influence in our community. I get a little bit sick sometimes of just doing church and not seeing an impact beyond these walls. I mean, I love you guys. I love gathering together on Sunday. I, I walk away leaving in, encouraged and uplifted. And, and uh, I, some weeks I, I'm, just, I'm just flat and I'm like, well, if I can just get to church on Sunday, I know I'll be in a community of faith. I'll be in a community of life and I'll be lifted back into a place of hope and joy and peace. And I love, I love the church gathered together. But I tell you what, I don't want to be satisfied with the church gathered together. I want us to have an influence. I want us to have an influence in the community where, where the life that we claim that we live with is seen and experienced by people who don't have it yet. Who are we to hold on to that life like it's ours only? And I know we don't do that deliberately or anything like that, but just, we just get into our life through the week and, and, and it's gone before we realize, man, did I let my light out this week at all? Don't let anyone see that I live with the, the abundant, immeasurable life of Christ in me. Did I live with it? That's my challenge all the time. I'm so conscious that I can live a whole week sometimes without the life of Christ just being expressed. I want to dive straight into the Word this morning, if that's okay. I'm going to read out of Acts 6. Starting at verse 1. It says, But the believers rapidly multiplied. Come on. There were rumblings of discontent. Those who spoke Greek, thankfully I don't do that, so this is not going to be applicable, but they complained against those who spoke Hebrew. I don't do that either, so I'm good. That scripture doesn't apply to me. Um, or you, unless you speak Greek and you're in trouble saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. How good is it to know that in the early church, in a season of rapid growth, um, there were still people that whinged, right? <laughs> it's encouraging to know that it's not my fault, they do. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. We apostles should spend our time preaching and teaching the Word of God, not administering a food program. It's straight up, I want to say, I'm not trying to get myself out of doing work. Um, they said, now look around among yourselves, brothers, and select seven men. Seven, number of perfection, completion. It's not a, we should only have seven doing this. It means we should have a, a, a perfect amount required for the task. 
Okay, the, the, the complete expression of this should be seen irrespective of the amount of people. Okay, it's about doing it in its completeness. It's about doing it to perfection, to the, the perfect end point of what needs to be done. Who are well respected and full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will put them in charge of this business. I think the translation on the screen uses a slightly different phrasing. The New King James uses the word business. I find that really interesting. We're going to touch on that in a little bit. Then we can spend our time in prayer and preaching and teaching the word. This idea pleased the whole group and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Philip, uh, Prochorus, Nicanor, if anyone's pregnant, great name right there. Timon, I think of the Lion King straight away. Come on, we could just replace Parmenas with Pumbaa and we would be right there on the Serengeti. Uh, Nicholas of Antioch, I love that that guy gets a location. Um, a Gentile convert to the Jewish faith who had now become a Christian. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid ha- their hands on them. And God's message was preached in ever-widening circles. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. I tell you, if that, if that isn't a description of influence right there, those last like six words, and the Jewish priests were converted also, like the very antithesis of, of what people were preaching about, like the people that crucified Jesus were the ones that began to get converted. If, that's, if it, the very people who persecuted those who were trying to preach about Jesus, they ended up getting converted. If that is not fruit of influence, I don't know what is, right? If we're going to talk about, well, what is influence? Perhaps a measure would be those that persecute the church find hope in the church. That those that have left the church discouraged find fresh courage in a reality in Jesus. Maybe we should start refining and defining influence like that. Anyway, before I get carried away, we should pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you stir in, not just in me, not just in our senior pastors, but in our congregation, this desire, Lord, to see your life, your truth, evident in the community, Lord, that people would be able to see you in us, Lord, that, that your life, salvation, and all that comes with it would not just be restricted to a Sunday. Father, I pray you speak today. Bring revelation. And Lord, I pray you'd be with the Jets as they prepare for the season ahead. And Lord, help the Knights to finish strong. And by request, we pray for the supercars. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on. I'm getting some sport prayer requests come in. It's always good. I want to... I wanna, I've been, working, I've been working on getting some points in my messages for those of you who like to take notes. Hope you appreciate that. And um, point number one, point number one this morning is the complementary tension. And I want to I bounce straight off of where Pastor Keith left off, left off last week. And um, this, is, this is why it's great to be in church every week. Uh, we're really strategic in building revelation upon revelation. Uh, we put series together to build one on the other on the other. And, and, and wherever possible, be in church. I'm just, just going to say it. Be in church. There's so much benefit to being in church, week in and week out. 
I know life happens and all sorts of things, but I tell you, sometimes I think under the argument of conveniency, we let go of priority. Last week, Pastor Keith unpacked this idea around priests and kings, right? That, that he corrected this wayward teaching that was preached in the 90s before I got saved, so I don't have it, which is awesome. But, right, <laughs> but he, he clearly showed from Scripture that as followers, we're not either kings or priests. But now that we, now that we have accepted Christ and the cross, we, we exist in an anointing that is, is kings and priests, right? That it's and or, sorry, it's, it's and both, not either or. Okay, we are... We are, in fact, both in, in, in how we exist. Our calling is to be both. There is no distinction. There is no, no distinction at all, okay? Um, too often we can take the Old Testament and we read it, and it's awesome. I preach, I love the Old Testament, right? People dying, spears through people. It's, uh, come on. But if we don't filter the Old Testament through the cross, we get poor theology, right? We need to take the Old Testament. We need to take it through the cross, and, and find out where it sits post the cross. And the idea of kingdoms, kings and priests, which was the distinction prior, okay, except for a couple of circumstances, post the cross, it's very clear that we are kings and priests. We are a kingdom of priests, right? We carry this dual anointing, not a singular one. And so where this old teaching went off track is that it confused context with calling. Right, because it attributed what is a career to a calling. It said that you, if you are called to be a king, it's because you're outside the church and a, a priest is inside the church. No, 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 no. That's the career you choose, not the calling you have. The, the calling you have is both. The career is your context. The calling is to be a kingdom of priests in whatever context you step into. Career is just a choice. Right, Being a kingdom of priests speaks about the authority and the power that we carry. It speaks about the position and the intimacy that we are allowed with the Father. And we have been invited into that and called into it by God through Christ. Our career is simply one of the contexts in which we outwork this calling. Whether you're a doctor, a teacher... A mum, dad, right, that's a choice. A businessman, a tradesman, woman, okay, we're not gender biased. All types of careers, we are supposed to operate in the authority and power as kingdom of priests in that context. That is not what you have been called to do. Can I just, I just want to correct calling, particularly maybe for our young adults right now who are seeking, what am I called to do? Let's, let's, let's rephrase that. I am called to be a kingdom of priests in whatever context I step into. Don't wait for your career to think you're called. You were called when you were saved. And you are called in every context you step into. We are to carry the authority and power we have as kings and priests into that context. When we confuse these two, when we put career verse calling, or we confuse the two, what we end up doing is compartmentalizing our Christianity. Yeah, we're getting lots of C's out this morning, all right? So it's going to be good. Lots of alliteration. Uh, I love alliteration, right? And what happens is, is, is when we compartmentalize our Christianity, Sunday becomes what we do as a Christian. Monday to Saturday, become, or Monday to Friday becomes what we do as a career. 
Saturday becomes what we do as a family. And before long, we find that we are stressed out, maxed out, and, and, and feel like we don't have enough time to compartmentalize all of the compartments we've created in our life. And that's because we're not supposed to do all the compartments of our life at separate times. Some of them are supposed to transcend specific times and be lived as a life through the other things. So we make decisions that I'm going to do either this or that. And so we either outwork the Christian stuff in the church or we decide we're not going to. Can I challenge you that a correctly perceived Christianity takes what appears to be attention and makes them complimentary? Because we're never supposed to put that time frame against that time frame. We're supposed to realize that in both we're called to be Christians. That in both we're called to live as kingdom. We're not supposed to find this time to be a king and this time to be a priest. We're supposed to understand that in every situation we're called to be kingdom, a kingdom of priests and to operate in that calling and in that anointing no matter what context we find ourselves in. We are in danger of diluting our Christianity if we compartmentalize the anointing that Christ places on our life for our life. What we do for the church and what we do as our career are not supposed to be fighting for the title of our calling. They are simply two of the contexts in which we all outwork the same calling. The fullness of our calling is not found in either of those places. They are simply two of the contexts in which we outwork our calling. The fullness of our calling is actually seen in us all participating in both. This is because our calling transcends our career. It transcends the functions of the church and it transcends the functions of our career. The two that seem to compete for our calling can now be seen partnering in demonstrating the fullness of our calling. Can I put to you this morning that the fullness of your calling is not seen without function in both. Function becomes a window through which our calling is seen. So if, if we shut down function in one of those locations, we actually restrict the capacity for someone to see the calling that is on our life in operation in that context. So if we don't, if we don't function well in our job, we've shut the window to people in that workplace seeing that we're a kingdom of priests that we carry authority, that we carry power, that we have intimacy with a God who's real and powerful and wants to bring peace and joy and salvation into their world. But if we don't function well, we've closed the window. If we just come to church and just, and just sit and we don't, we don't get involved in the function of the body of Christ, we close a window to people coming in and seeing that the people that sit in this place and actually claim to have a calling of a kingdom of priests, that we shut the door, we shut the window to them being able to see that. If we, if, we, if we shut the window on being a dad, if we don't function, uh, I don't want to get into Father's Day too quickly right now, but if, 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 we, if, we, if we don't step into the function of being a dad, we shut the window on our kids seeing the calling that is on our life. How often do I go to the grocery store with my head down? I just want to get in. I just want to get the milk. I just want to get the bread. I just want to get out. 
But there's a function that I, compete in that, that, I, that I complete in that place which has an opportunity to open the window to the fact that even in that place, I'm a kingdom of priests, I'm anointed, I have a calling, and I've, I might have an opportunity right there to act, act out of authority, act out of the power that God has placed on my life and on your life. But, but too often I shut the window because I don't see that the function is the window to see my calling. You guys all look and you see this function, but this is just a function. This is just a career I've chosen. It's not, it's not the calling that we all have. You see, I've chosen a career in the church. And this, is, this, is where, this is where we mess up the idea of calling. I've been called to communicate the gospel. Can I tell you I've been doing that for 10 years in a school? Because that was the career I chose prior to choosing a career in the church. But I could have operated in the school not considering my calling. I could have operated in the school and just seen it as a function of a career and just, and just done it. Because I'm called to church. I'm called to preach. No, 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 no. My calling transcends the functions of the locations and the context in which I operate my life within. Right? My calling to communicate the gospel, my calling to outwork the commission that Christ placed on every Christian's life to make disciples of all nations, the calling to be a kingdom of Christ, those callings transcend the places I choose to outwork the different aspects of my life. And, and, and can I tell you, it doesn't matter what career you're in, it doesn't matter uh, what your home life is like, they are all contexts and you are called the same in those contexts as any other context. And this is why I wanted to highlight that word business, right? I think I, think I have the New King James up there um, on, on the slide, right? Um, where it talks about the business of the church. Where in Acts 6, verses 3 and 4, it actually talks about the reason that they set these men apart. It, it was not distinguishing the calling that they would have. It distinguished the career that they would have. It was setting them apart to do a specific function not a specific calling. And this is where we can get things mixed up because we can take this passage and we can think it talks about calling. And we can go, well, some are called in and some are called out. Some are called to teach and preach and some are called to, to feed the food, the, uh, to, to service the, the food to the, the hungry. And, and some are called, no, no, no. They are, they're functions. You, you could almost stretch it and say, well, they're chosen careers within a context. Their calling has not changed. They carry the same calling as those that stayed to learn to preach and teach. That was just the career aspect that they chose. Two examples of this. I want to highlight this. I want to make sure I show you scripturally, not just use myself as an example, scripturally, the fact that the career change did not, did not, did not make, make a calling change. Acts 6.5 names two of these men, we're named seven, but we're going to concentrate on two because we get to see the life journey of two specifically post this point. So we get to see how this, how this laying on of hands and how this distinction in their career didn't change their calling, right? It's Stephen and it's Philip, the first two that are mentioned. If we follow both of these men's stories in Acts, what we find is that they didn't leave one calling to go outside the church on a different calling. What we find is that they carried the same calling into a career change. They used their new career as a new context to outwork the same calling. And, and, and the result? 
the result of that is seen in verse 7. Because verse 7 tells us that the word of God spread. It wasn't spread by those who stayed. It was spread by those who went. You see, they, they realized that their calling to communicate the gospel didn't finish with their career change. They realized that their calling to communicate the gospel, their calling to be a kingdom of priests, was, was as real in the context of the career of, of, of distributing food, of managing the finance that was coming in. These, these very business-based, uh, career-functioning elements of their life did not cause them to be like, well, now it's not my job to talk about the gospel. Well, now it's not my job to perform miracles because somehow now that I've changed career, I'm no longer a, king, a kingdom of priests. I'm now no longer walking in the authority and the power that that calling places upon my life, right? No, they realize that irrespective of the career they chose, irrespective of what the functions within that look like, they were still called to be a kingdom of priests and still walk in the authority and the power that that talked about. So let's, let's, let's zoom in. Let's look at Stephen first, because he dies first. Acts 6, 8. Stephen a man full of grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. Just remember for a second, this is the same Stephen who just chose a career in the marketplace. This is the same Stephen that went to the elders of the church and said, listen, I don't, I, 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 or, or the elders of the church went to him and said, look, we don't, we don't necessarily think that you, you quite have the skill set to, 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 to worship lead, right? That's what people said to me one day. Um, Maybe you should consider a different career. Um, and so they've gone in and said, listen, you're great with people and, 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 and you can cook really good food. Do you know what would be a great career for you? With all these hungry people, maybe you, could, maybe you could look after that side of the business right now. And he's like, yeah, okay, sweet. Not a problem. Sounds good. So he's out there doing that. But he's not doing that without remembering that first and foremost, what transcends that context is his calling. And so he's out there, he's still performing miracles. He's still preaching the gospel because he recognizes that these things are attached to his calling, not his career. Sharing the gospel is not an attachment to a career. It's an outworking of a calling. Praying in the power of the Holy Spirit is not an attachment to a career. It's an outworking of a calling. Believing that the Holy Spirit can work through you to bring healing in someone's life is not, it's not an attachment to a career. It's an outworking of a calling. And Philip, Philip is the same. If we look at Philip's life, right, the story of Philip continues in Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8 verses 4, kind of, kind of going all the way through to 8. Let's, let's just quickly turn there. It's only one page over. You should be quick. I'll give you a second to put your notepads down, your pens, and, and turn over, and then you can get back to taking notes. Acts 8.4. But the believers who had fled Jerusalem went everywhere preaching the good news about Jesus. Don't tell me that God is unable to use all things for good. I just wonder if without persecution, the church would have stayed in a holy huddle. God had a purpose for persecution. That might mess with your theology right now, but God is either bigger than all things or he's not. And so he either can make a purpose for something that the devil 
would love to bring against the church. And so God applied a purpose to persecution. And as they spread, it meant the gospel spread because they didn't spread and leave their calling behind. When they spread out, they took their calling with them. When they spread out, whether it was because of persecution or because of a career change, wherever they went, they took their calling with them. And so the gospel spread. The believers who fled Jerusalem went everywhere preaching the good news about Jesus. They went everywhere preaching the good news about Jesus. It's because their calling was a greater priority than where they went. It was a greater focus than where they went. And Philip, for example, putting it in there, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to what he had to say. I wonder why they did that. Because of the miracles that he did. It's there, there in Scripture. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. <laughs> so graphic. <clears throat> and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. And so there was great joy in the city. I don't know about you, but I would love that last line to be prophetic of Newcastle. That there was great joy in the city. That there was great joy in the city. I love our church to be a part of, of what it is that brings great joy to the city. But what was it that brought great joy to the city? We need to ask ourselves questions about Scripture sometimes. Don't just read it and go, oh, that was good, that was nice. But sometimes application of revelation is found in asking questions. Like, God, what, is, what does that look like in my life? God, when I go to work on Monday, what does this look like? Because that was a bit different in those times. But I know that my calling hasn't changed. I know the career is just a context in which I outwork it. So God, like, what, what, what does it look like for me to be like Philip, who was, who was taking a career in the marketplace, but is out there performing miracles? Philip's preaching everywhere, irrespective of the fact that he has this career in the marketplace. He healed the sick, he cast out demons. Again, these are not career-attached functions, but outworkings of the calling we have as kings and priests. So as many listen because of the miracles he did. So if we're talking about influence in our community, if we're bringing this back down to, to kind of the two things that you can take out of this message this morning in regard to being an influence, the first one, is allowing our calling to transcend our career and not be compartmentalized. As soon as we compartmentalize, we close that window. We close off an opportunity to show the reality of Christ to people in different contexts. We forget that in every context we walk into, we are called to be a kingdom of priests. You and me, Together, all of us carry that calling. We carry the power and the authority into our workplaces. And it's not until we realize that and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we cannot do this in our own strength, right? Like, we just can't. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, actually let that calling be seen we won't have an influence. 
the only distinguishing factor that we carry. I don't know if you realize this. Yes, we have hope and joy and excitement in life, and all those things are fantastic. But actually, Scripture would say to us that our, our distinguishing factor, the one thing that sets us apart as recognizable as God's people, is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. We cannot function in our calling without the Holy Spirit. It's not by strength. It's not by might. It's by the Holy Spirit. There's a freedom in that. There's a relaxing in that because I don't have to generate a miracle in my own strength. Scripture tells us that my job is to believe. My job is to believe. Believe that when there's an opportunity and I go, hey, can I pray for you? God, do all you can do. Don't make your prayer weird. It doesn't need to be. God doesn't need your right words to make a miracle happen. God needs your faith. And the second is to recognize that the covenant community that we're called to live in also transcends location. It's two things that transcend the locations in which we live our life will have more influence on our community than anything else. That is when we, when we actively outwork our calling and when we actively express the covenant community that we're actually called to be as a church. You see, if we, if we bounce back, right, we started reading Acts 6. It talked about the church is, is rapidly multiplying and everyone's like, yes, that's awesome. Do you want to know what, what prompted that multiplication? If we, if we backtrack in Scripture a couple of chapters, we go back to find out what was the catalyst to that exponential growth, what sparked it, what set it off, right? We need to go back to Acts 4. Acts 4 is the catalyst for this exponential growth. And Acts 4 talks really clearly actually not about the outworking of people's callings in terms of miracles and preaching the gospel. It talks about the type of community that we're called to live in as the church. It actually talks about this idea of covenant community. It says this in verse 32. It says, All the believers were of one heart and mind. Wow, there's no covenant without unity. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. Let me, can I, there's a really key word in there, they felt. It was a heart thing, right? You don't come to church and suddenly own nothing. Okay, this is not, this is not a, a, a literal application of, wow, I come to church and now I own nothing. And, and we all own everything together. No, no, no. This is, this is a heart response of, of the covenant community they were acting in. There. It, it was as if nothing was theirs. It was as if their heart response to each other was so generous, so acting in love, so for other people in that community that whatever they had, it was as if it wasn't theirs. It was up for grabs. Everything was up for giving. Everything was up to be given to someone else if they needed it. Nobody needs my leather jacket, by the way, in case you're wondering. The type of, this type of community that we read here, if we read on, they shared everything they had verse 33 and the apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus God's great favor fell upon them all there was no poverty among them because many people who owned land or houses sold them bought the money to the apostles to give to others in need for instance there was Joseph the one the apostle nicknamed Barnabas which means son of encouragement he was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus he sold a field he owned and he bought the money to the apostles for those in need 
What a lovely, what what, an amazing description of the community, the heart of the community, right? Let's not get caught up on function, not asking everyone to sell a house. It's the heart that's behind it. It's the covenant commitment, the outworking of the love of Christ in real relationship. It's, It's difficult to do when we're not together. They met together, united one heart and mind. Generous, loving for each other. This covenant community is the type of community that will will speak loudly into our world. Nothing's changed. Our world is crying out for community. You spend a few Saturdays, right, like at soccer or football or, 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 or wherever people gather around a task because that's what they create their community around. Humanity is made not to be alone. We're supposed to exist in covenant communities. I mean, like Facebook, for goodness sake. I'm trying to create connection because we're so crying out for authentic relationship that is overflowing with love and generosity and kindness. our calling nor that type of let's not let's not kid ourselves that type of community can't happen in our humanness can, can we be honest let's not let's not let's not preach this ideal up here let's not talk about this ideal up here and then leave everybody expecting they can get there by themselves that would be completely against the gospel because the gospel would say that it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. I think too often we grab a hold of an ideal out of Scripture and then we try to work to it. And we, and we, we actually do away with grace and we do away with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and we exhaust ourselves trying in our own strength to do what is, what is right and what we should be trying to do. But we're trying to do it in our own strength. We just, we just need to realize that we can't. Like, yeah, we're a new creation. Absolutely. I love that scripture. We're still human right now. Many parts of how we function. And I love it. The verse immediately prior to the description of covenant community. Immediately prior. So before scripture paints a picture of the ideal, it gives us the path. Before they even give us the picture, they give us the how. Verse 31 says, After this prayer, the building that they were meeting in shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. We've talked about two keys for influence this morning. Living out your calling in every context, and living out covenant community in every context. But neither of those, neither of those can be done on your own. Neither of those can be done without the Holy Spirit, without His power, without His strength, without the fruit of the Spirit. 
That doesn't come out of our humanness. That's why it's the fruit of the Spirit. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, all those things that I don't have without the Spirit. Have you ever realized that about yourself? That's not a good day. Right on our own, on our own, we're jealous, we're critical, we're impatient, we're gossipy, we're vindictive, right? That's, maybe it's just me, I don't know. But with the Holy Spirit, suddenly it's like uh, there's, this, there's this power within us to be loving, to actually be loving. Gracious and generous, gentle and kind. These elements required for covenant community are found not in our ability, not in our strength, not in our capacity, but by the fruit and the power of the Spirit within us, by His empowerment and His outworking in our lives. I love this. It's freeing for me to realize that the two things that I'm called to outwork as, as major influences in my society, I don't have to do in my own strength. I can lean into God. I can declare my dependence on Him. I can surrender before Him and go, God, I have a desire to do those things. But equally, I have a, a healthy self-awareness that I can't. I tell you, that is a powerful prayer to a God who knows those things already. You're not surprising Him. You're just agreeing and opening yourself up to the one thing that we need to be able to do those things. And that is the power of the Spirit. Covenant, just like calling, should transcend our career and our immediate context. I want to finish on a couple of examples of what that might look like. It might look like someone is going to move house. Right? And you've got some mates from work coming to help you. And they arrive and they see, they see a, couple of, a couple of guys from church there. And the love and the generosity, the kindness that's on display, it's covenant community in action. It's covenant community that gets seen. Or this new mum comes along to, to a mother's group. Mother's group puts together a meal roster, blesses our new mum. An example of covenant community. It's interesting, I have some friends who don't go to church and you know, they, have a, they, they, had a, they had a new bub a little while ago. And there's no such, I don't know if you realize, there's no such thing as a meal roster out, like out there. Like people don't do that. that it's like something that, that came out of the generosity, the grace, the love of, of the Holy Spirit in people to be generous, to want to help out the other person. Speaking to them, and they're, they're like shocked. Like, yeah, two weeks of dinners brought over to you? Like, it's mind-blowing. That's covenant community. That's what that is. Calling and covenant. Calling and covenant. Calling and covenant. Should dictate function because they are the two influential factors of God that transcend our contexts but neither can be done without the Spirit. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.